good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you. Uh, I'm thankful that you are here. I figured that most people would still uh, be depressed and crying after last night, but you are the brave souls that got up to brace, brace today after such a tragic loss of the Dodgers. That seventh inning was just brutal, wasn't it? It was crushing. Oh, so tough. Well, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, what we're going to be teaching on today is, is prayer. Um, so I'm glad that you're here because I get to, to tell you and hopefully convict you that you should have been praying more for the Dodgers last night. Uh, <clears throat> we as a church community have failed our, our team. Um, but it, it really is good. Um, what I'm, I, I'm excited to teach about prayer uh, and on prayer because um, we as a church are in this season of asking God for more. We are posturing ourselves for more. We want more of what the Holy Spirit has for us. And I think prayer plays a really crucial and essential role in that. So we as a church, again, have been in this season, this posture is we've been asking, okay, God, what do you have for us? What do you want to lead us to? We are open to your movement. And so we've been asking this question as we've been studying the book of Acts of, okay, God, what, what is this more that you're going to lead us to? What are the characteristics? What are the traits of this early Christian community that we can see and that we can emulate in our own lives, that we can embody and embrace that would allow us, enable us to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, to live into the mission of Jesus, to live just as Jesus Christ lived. And so we are now asking that question, looking to the book of Acts and saying, God, we want more. We want more of you in our lives. I know this is something that, man, this is a prayer that I've had in my own life for quite some time. When I went to college, as is a common story for many, I, I started to read the Bible more uh, for myself. I kind of took a deeper dive my freshman year, and I was reading through the New Testament. I was reading through the book of Acts. I was reading Paul's letters. And to me, I just seemed so struck by the power of the Holy Spirit moving through the book of Acts. Doesn't It just seems like there's this really incredible, just awful power that you were seeing that God was moving and working in these incredible ways and just got so excited. And then I, I just felt like everything was so commonplace or, or neutral in the world around me. And I felt convicted then and still do today that it starts with me. I feel that often I don't open myself up to the movement and working of the Holy Spirit. I feel like I can often live and settle into a, a commonplace nature. And so what, what we want to do is, again, open ourselves up to this movement of the Holy Spirit, this power of the Holy Spirit. But it's not like any one thing is not going to suddenly just spark the Holy Spirit and teaching on prayer and teaching on missions and teaching on whatever it is. It's not like one slapstick answer is then going to provide the Holy Spirit power that's just going to spark us. But it is this posture that we have to work with, to receive, to be open to the Holy Spirit moving. And I think one of those key things that we need to be open to embracing is prayer. And prayer in my own life, uh, I confess to you, has is, is been more 
uh, sporadic, I'd say, than consistent. In terms of a vibrant prayer life that's full of this deep connection, this powerful intimacy, I, I feel like it's been more sporadic than consistent. I feel like oftentimes it feels more dull than vibrant. And so I'm teaching this morning on prayer, and I don't feel like the one who is most qualified to teach on such a wonderful and great topic. But what I'd like to do is position me with all of you, as we do as preachers, in saying that let's learn together from this book of Acts, from this early Christian community, and posturing ourselves all together to learn from them, to see what their prayer life was all about, and how they were open to the movement and work of the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to open them up to Acts chapter 13. Uh, This is going to be our anchor passage this morning uh, for a community that is gathered together in prayer. So what I'd like to do this morning then is to offer one observation that I have about the book of Acts. uh, And then I'd like to draw out the implications of that observation for us and then provide us with one application. So observation... Implications, application. Here we go. The one observation in the book of Acts about prayer that I like to provide to you is that there is a complementary nature between the movement of the Holy Spirit and the people praying. There is a complementary nature between the movement of the Holy Spirit and the people praying. It seems like God in his divine freedom and mercy choose to move, choose to reveal his divine plan of salvation history as people are gathered together in prayer. As the spirit continues to move through the church, as the gospel continues to spread, it happens because as and with people are gathered in prayer. There is this complementary nature between both of them. You see it throughout the book of Acts. I think this is absolutely fascinating. It starts at Pentecost. Right at Pentecost, the people are gathered together. At Pentecost, we know that it was a festival of the Jews, and so there was regular rituals of, of prayer and worship and offering a sacrifice. And this is when the Holy Spirit comes on the people when they were gathered together in prayer, in worship. And then you continue to see this move as the people then go out with the message of the gospel. As soon as they find this opposition, they again gather together and pray. And you see this through the life of Paul. Paul had this huge revelation experience with Jesus. And what does he do right afterwards? He's in prayer. And as he's in prayer when he's blind, then it's not him, but someone else that gets the revelation from God. As Paul is praying, that he gets the revelation to go to Paul. And again, you see it in Acts with uh, Peter and Cornelius. This is a huge pivotal moment in the book of Acts that Bill is going to talk on next week. This revelation that God and his divine mercy includes the Gentiles, which is us, into his covenant people. This is huge. This is the movement going beyond Jerusalem and out and out and out. This huge moment happens when Peter and Cornelius are both in prayer. They both have this vision, this revelation experience when they were praying. Cornelius has it. He is a Roman guard. 
And he has this experience where the angel of the Lord comes to him and says for him to go to Peter. And Peter, as was his custom, went to the roof and was praying and he was really hungry. And then he had this revelation when he was in prayer. Consistently. The drama, the narrative of Acts, where the Holy Spirit is going out to the world, the gospel message is going out to the world, it moves as people are praying. And then we get to the text for us this morning. There was a community, a church community that was gathered together at a place called Antioch. And this church community is about one year old at this time. And they were gathered together. And what were they doing? Take a wild guess, guys. They were praying. They were praying. They were worshiping and fasting, as was their custom. So they were gathered together in prayer and worship. And from this, the Holy Spirit moves and speaks to them and says, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I have for them. And this moment takes a huge pivotal turn in the book of Acts to where now we are following the journey of Paul and Barnabas and their missionary journeys as the Holy Spirit continues to move through them and as they plant church communities all throughout the Mediterranean region and world. The Holy Spirit continues to move out as people are gathered together in prayer. Here it was fasting and worship that changed the world. That sent off Paul and Barnabas, two of the greatest Christians, it feels like. They just understood who Jesus was and lived it out. They're sent out because they're listening to the Holy Spirit as they were in prayer and worship. You see this complementary nature where the Spirit moves in these incredible and powerful ways as people are praying. Now, I choose the word complementary uh, on purpose because it's not like when we pray, we are then forcing God to act in a certain way, right? And it's not that God has to respond to our prayers the way that we ask, right? There is this complementary nature to it that we pray, but God moves in the way that he wants to, in the way that he desires. But there is that kind of correlation between the two. That we pray and God in his freedom and his mercy and his grace decides to move. Decides to act. And I think what's really powerful here is that God delights in people who are praying. In people who are gathered together in prayer. As we want to see the Holy Spirit move in us and among us. We need to be gathered together in prayer. And I think the church at Antioch is a great example for that. They were gathered together in fasting and in worship. And one of the things I think we see in that is that collective prayer in and of itself is like quite apart from any particular content, any specific request, it's just being gathered together is significant. 
It's important. It, it's this posture that it puts us in to be open, to be receptive to the movement of the Holy Spirit. Right? The community that openly and frequently prays together postures itself in the perfect position to witness the power and movement and the working of the Holy Spirit. The community that frequently prays together postures itself to witness the power, the movement, and the working of the Holy Spirit. I think this is incredible and insightful for us to to grab hold of. This Antioch community was positioning itself frequently in this position of prayer and worship. One New Testament scholar David Crump, who writes about prayer, says this about prayer in the book of Acts and of these Christian communities. He says, The well-rounded collection of diverse minds, emotions, concerns, interests, and passions assembled by an entire community at prayer creates an open tinderbox, receptive to whatever sparks are struck by the collision between devout petition and divine intent. You guys got that, right? Yeah. What he's saying is that this collection of diverse people, all of us together, we have our diverse interests, our diverse passions, the concerns that are pressing on us. When all of us come together in prayer, we create this tinderbox, right? We provide the fodder of, for the fire. We provide the, the tinder that's needed to create this beautiful flame. So when we come together as a diverse community in prayer, we are ready and receptive to, to see and receive the sparks that happen between devout petition on our end when we are coming together with this devout care and concern for the Lord for him to move and then the sparks between devout petition and divine intent that God decides to move in his freedom and grace as he decides to bring his grace and mercy and kingdom here. So we as a community are this open tinderbox that's ready to receive the sparks between devout petition and divine intent. And that is precisely what you see at the church at Antioch. It was a diverse community. Their leaders were people that you would not expect to lead. Someone from Africa, we have someone from Cyrene who planted the church. We have Paul, who was the persecutor of the church. We have someone, who Menaean, who was a friend, uh, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. Herod was the guy who beheaded John the Baptist. And you have Barnabas. If this leadership community is representative of the people who are there, it is a diverse community of people. And they collectively are together. It's prayer that unifies them as a community. All of them together in that their diverseness come together in prayer and worship. And their devout petition, their praise, allows them to be receptive, to respond to in obedience what the Holy Spirit prompts them to do, which is to set apart Paul and Barnabas, who would then go off on the missionary journeys that would give us much of the New Testament. I find this so convicting and fascinating. I really do. This community was gathered together in prayer. 
I don't think that this community was praying for Paul and Barnabas to be sent away from them. I don't. I mean, Paul and Barnabas, I think, were just outstanding leaders, outstanding teachers, outstanding people. It's as if I don't think uh, we are collectively praying for James and Todd to be sent away from us either. What they were gathered together in prayer for was not for this movement, was not that Paul and Barnabas excuse me, would be sent off, but they were gathered together just in prayer and worship. And we don't know the exact content of what they were praying for, but they were just gathered together in prayer. So what, what I'm trying to get at is that there is this intrinsic good to just the people of God being gathered together in prayer. Okay, that's my observation, that there is a complementary nature between the movement of the Holy Spirit and the people gathered in prayer. Next, I'd like to offer you some implications for this. The implication, simple. We need to be a people of prayer. We need to be a people of prayer. If we are going to see the movement of the Holy Spirit in our midst, if we are going to see what we long for and desire that God's kingdom would come, we need to be a people of prayer. That prayer needs to be integrated and ingrained into our lives individually and collectively. Individually, that we need to have prayer as part of our regular routine. We are devoting ourselves to prayer. For me, it, it feels tough, and again, this is partly a confession to you, that I feel like prayer to me feels like one of the last things on my agenda because there's so many other things I feel like I need to get done. Other students to meet with, other parents to connect with, other ministry things to plan, and, and prayer often gets the back burner. I just pray when I feel like I have need. I'm encouraged and convicted by people like Martin Luther who had spent the three best hours of his day in prayer. Prayer needs to be central in our individual lives. I think prayer needs to be central in our lives collectively as well. The early church community, as we see in Acts chapter 2, it says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. We get this image of what they were all about. These early church communities were all about being devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to learning what Paul had to say, what Peter had to say, what they knew about Jesus and the way of Jesus. As Jesus had taught them, they were devoted to learning to be like Jesus, and they were devoted to fellowship, to living together, to living into this covenant community. They were devoted to the breaking of bread, participating in the Lord's Supper, eating together, communing together, and they were devoted to prayer. Communally, they were devoted to prayer. It was central to who they were. What I find really interesting about this, too, is that it seems like these two things are parallel to each other. What I mean by that is they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and parallel to the apostles' teaching is the breaking of bread. These two go together, and what goes together with fellowship is prayer. 
we as a church community are devoted to fellowship. We are. We believe that this is how you live out our faith, is with people. We are a highly, hopelessly relational church, and I pray that that never goes away. That's central to who we are. We need to be in relationships. And parallel to that and with that is being people who are devoted to prayer. That when we gather together as a community, whether it's with friends in a formal church gathering or informal, we are devoted to prayer. It gets embedded and ingrained into who we are. It's a cultural thing. We as a church community are devoted to prayer. I don't think we need to add a ton of more like prayer gatherings into our lives. All I'm saying is I think when we gather together and the things that we're already doing that we posture ourselves and incorporate prayer into that. We already live in this highly relational community and network, but if we position ourselves into being this people of prayer, I think we're going to see this greater movement of the Holy Spirit working through us. And one of the things that I found in my own life is that prayer also tunes myself. It tunes my heart to the gospel. We all know what it's like when someone is singing out a tune in worship next to us. Uh, it's most often me if you stand next to me. I do not have a great voice. But there is a need for us all to be tuned consistently, our hearts to be tuned in line with the music and the movement of the Holy Spirit. And I think prayer plays a central role in that tuning process. It tunes ourselves individually in our relationship with God, that we come before God, that we are able to confess our sins, that we orient ourselves before him and allow him to change us, to change the deep parts of us, to bring to light things that we ought to be convicted of. But it also tunes ourselves to his in-breaking kingdom, that we become oriented towards what God cares about. His kingdom coming, his grace invading this earth. The things that we ask for change and are affected when we pray. Prayer has this unique capacity to tune our hearts and lives. This is a lived experience for me. My wife and I, when we were dating, we would spend every Friday fasting and in prayer together. So we wouldn't eat after Thursday dinner uh, until Friday dinner. And so we'd spend Friday uh, afternoon, we'd get together for lunch and we'd spend our lunchtime praying together. And then before dinner, we would again go for a walk and pray together. Now again, I'm not saying I did much right in my prayer life, but this is one thing that Brittany and I have done well together when we were dating. When we would fast, I mean, there's so many things that you think about when you're fasting, particularly how much in and out just sounds like the most delicious meal in the world. But then we gather together and, and we pray, pray about half an hour at lunch together, walk and pray. We prayed for a variety of different things, but what was consistent through that is after we would spend those Fridays doing that, we would say to each other, this feels like we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. It felt like we had this alignment within ourselves 
both with God and then with, okay, this is what God cares about. This is what God is seeing. It gave us this kind of new perspective, this new lens. So I think it's just so easy what we feel, what I feel, is that I just get so consumed with the things that are pressing before me. I do. I mean, there's always something that's coming up, always something new to be concerned about. And I think prayer just gives this right posture that we bring those things before the Lord, that we open ourselves up to him, and then we start to think about, okay, what does God care about? We start to think about other people and praying for other people praying for his kingdom to come. I think prayer, again, has this unique ability to tune our lives to what the Holy Spirit is doing. So this is the implication for us. Because there's this complementary movement between the movement of the Holy Spirit and the people gathered in prayer, that we should be a people of deep prayer. Now, I'd like to offer you one way to pray, one point of application, and that is to pray the Lord's Prayer. If we embody the Lord's Prayer, if this becomes our prayer, the South Bay would change. I'm totally convinced of this. It does not take long to pray, but if you embody the Lord's Prayer, the South Bay will change. As you pray, you just allow the Lord's Prayer. I mean, you can, uh, some commentators say, you spiritually riff off the Lord's Prayer. You are just guided by it. It's not merely just saying it, but you can take and expand what it is saying to lead your heart. But you go through it kind of line by line, section by section, and just pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father. I find it the first words off of our lips. Our Father, Father, Father who is close, Father who is intimate, Father who is near, Father who cares. Our Father, our, us, collectively, we are a community that is praying this, not individually, it's not my Father, our Father, collectively, all of us, communally, us, together, people gathered, our Father, our Father who is close to us now, our Father in heaven, Father who is above all, who reigns forever, who has created the earth, who is in control of all things. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy are you above all things, above everything else. Yeah, that was awkward. (laughs) Holy are you above everything else. Your kingdom come, your will be done. This is what we pray first before we pray our request. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Oh, how I want God's kingdom come, come quickly. Would grace invade our own lives? Would grace invade this community? Would things be made right into your vision and purpose and plan? Our, our kingdoms are second. Would your kingdom come? Would your will be done? And then we pray and give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need. And on it goes. I truly believe that praying the Lord's Prayer is going to change us and shape us as a community of faith. This is what I want so deeply for us.
is for us to be open to the movement and working of the Holy Spirit, that we have the vision that God is going to use us in these powerful and incredible ways and that we need to tune our own hearts and to position ourselves as a community into a place and posture of prayer. I want us to enter into this complementary nature between God moving and people praying. And I want that first and foremost for me. It's been really convicting for me in the last few weeks to to be reflecting on this and be preparing for this and watch it change my own prayer life. So this is it. Something that you've heard before. Something that you know. But I pray that it is in this fresh light, and that the Holy Spirit moves us to be people of prayer. I'm going to invite Bill up, who's going to come and lead us in communion, uh, but would you join me in prayer? Father, we, uh, and we love you. You are the God who is above it all, the God in who chooses to love us in your mercy and grace and freedom. Uh, that you choose to work through people, people who come before you, people who posture themselves as recipients of your divine mercy and grace and who praise you for it, who are delighted and thankful at you working and moving in the world. And so we ask, Father, for your kingdom to come and your will be done. We ask for you to make us into people of prayer because we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Thank you, Luke. Wow, isn't that good? That was so simple and so deep and so doable. So think about for a moment, what would it look like for us sometime this week to incorporate the Lord's Prayer into our prayer? whether it be early morning, um, even on a commute, um, to find that space. Maybe it's with your partner. Maybe it's um, with a good friend. Maybe it's by yourself. Just space, very simply, to let the Holy Spirit engage you as you walk through the Lord's Prayer uh, in partnering with him. Um, So delightful. Luke, thank you. Thank you uh, very, very much. It was great. Now, um, so this is almost it. You know, we've been together, and it's great to talk with each other, to pray, to sing, to be attentive to God's word. And now we come to the table, and this is a regular practice of Christians through the centuries. And we call it communion, the Lord's Supper. And um, there's two elements here. There's bread. And there's the fruit of the the vine. And there's a time when the disciples were together. It was the night before he was betrayed, right before he was going to give his life as a sacrifice for the world on the cross. And he gathered those disciples. And while they're in the midst of having a meal, and our meal has been uh, provided by Luke in the scriptures, Jesus took bread and um, he tore it. He broke it in front of them. And he said, this bread represents my body. 
which I'm going to give for you on the cross. And then he had them eat it. He said, take it and eat it. In other words, take Jesus into you. Ingest him. Let him fill you from the inside out. Um, and, and then after the supper, he took um, a glass of wine. And we have, we have grape juice in these little plastic cups. And he said, this symbol, this, this represents my blood, which is going to be shed for you. And I want you to drink it, all of you. Drink it. And he passed the cup around, and they, they took that cup, that, that wine. And he said, again, I want you to take it in, into me because the life is in the blood. There's life. There's the life of Jesus about to go to the cross. The life of Jesus is in, is in this symbol. Take it inside. Drink richly and deeply of it. Now, you know, it's hard with these symbols because they're so simple and so sterilized that I encourage you when you go through the Lord's Prayer sometime with your family, your friends, have a meal and celebrate communion together. Uh, and, and have real bread. And if you choose real wine or grape juice and, and, and settle in it. But here on the beach in God's creation, I invite you to come when you're ready to the table and let these very simple physical symbols be a tangible way of saying, Jesus, again, I remember you and I remember what you did for me. And I want to take all of you inside of me so that as I move from here, you can live your life through the Holy Spirit through me. And as Luke so helpfully declared that we can do this in a prayerful posture and uh, not force, but anticipate that the Holy Spirit will work collectively through us. So uh, this is how we, you know, when the tractor goes by, it's sort of, uh, you know, an annoyance. But I'm so grateful for those tractors because they keep our beach clean. So, you know, it's kind of a bummer, but I also go, thank you for what you're doing. It's a, it's a good thing. Um, this is how we end the service. And DJ Ron will play some music. And you come when you're ready, if you want, and uh, come to the table and keep the conversation going. And we just end that way whenever you're ready. So God bless you. And thank you again, Luke.